This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Habibi. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast where, John, do you have a cannon? Uh, it's a loose cannon. Peter, you got a cannon? It's a big cannon. Trav, <laughs> you got a cannon? Loaded and ready to go. Habibi, you got a cannon? I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> This week we are talking about living with canon. And the canon we're talking about is the things that certain people, mostly who happen to own the property, intellectual property rights, to the things that we love so dear and dear to us, our favorite shows, our favorite books, our favorite movies, and what they say is acceptable and what we know is true. All right, so, so what else do we have to know about playing in other people's pools? So, so we talked about how not to destroy them. What, about, what if we want to? What if we want to be the heroes? Or what if we want to usurp the heroes? Or, or say they never existed and we're going to create our new hero. If you usurp the hero, you have to do the hero's job. Otherwise, it's not the same story. You're playing something else. You're not playing Star Wars if you're not trying to accomplish the goals of the narrative. You're really asking for the plot hammer when you do that. That's kind of like taking Star Wars off the, taking it off the rails and say, eh, Luke kills Han and Chewie and takes the ship for his own. It's like, okay, you're seriously just damaged canon there, you know. Because you're not playing Star Wars anymore. You're just simply playing in a universe that happens to have elements of Star Wars. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm saying... I can't imagine playing a game where you're actually playing the heroes because to me, uh, like you're saying, Bruce, that would be like the that would be like the 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 plot hammer, you know? It's it's what do you do then? I'm like, I'm playing Luke and I'm just gonna do other stuff. It's like, well, why are you playing Luke then? Unless you're playing him in the cracks. Right. In between the movies, what was Luke doing? You you still have railroading because if you're playing in the time between Star Wars and Empire, which is a three-year time span by what canon says, the timeline, yeah, a lot can happen in three years, but Luke can't die. Right. He can crash his land speeder and get a scar in his face, but he can't, you know, can't die. Yeah, so, yeah, he messed up his nose really bad, and they had to rebuild it from ear cartilage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a problem, Trev. He's got plot immunity, okay? There are lots of role-playing campaigns out there where the first thing that goes on the table is they says, okay, nobody dies. No matter what happens, nobody dies. And it's the GM's job to 
come up with an alternate explanation. You fall unconscious, somebody grabs you and drags you off, something happens that keeps you from dying, but everything else happens. It's okay if that's what's necessary to keep the continuity going. It's just one of those things you agree to. Yeah. All right, I gotta go out again. Loot got caught by Wampa again. This is not a foreign concept to television programming. It's called the puzzle box. It's what happens in almost every Star Trek episode where they introduce some big dangerous thing and they've got to solve the problem by the end of the episode and set things back to square one so the next episode can start without having to have continuity issues. Yep. So they can mix and match. That was part of how all the adventures were designed. It's really part of television writing. All episodic and not story arcs, yeah. Very much so. And there's nothing wrong with episodic as long as everybody understands that's what you're doing. Yes. Yep. Of course, that means if you're playing Star Trek, do the mind swap, look down. Okay. Original series? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a red shirt. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Take off the red shirt. (laughs) You're out of uniform. Knock that guy out. Put the red shirt on. Into darkness where, you know, Scotty left and he comes up to check off. Put on a red shirt, you're going to engineering. You see Anton Yelchin just have that look like Bojamoy. Oh, no, I got to put on a red shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Scotty wore a red shirt through his entire career and never got hurt. So did the guy in the Dos Equis commercial, your point? He was only in one episode. Doesn't matter, he survived the episode. Most red shirts don't. That's true. But Scotty had a first name and a last name. Right. He wasn't just Guy. We knew about Galaxy Quest here. We got to introduce that. Yeah. But then you, do you play with the tropes then? You know, so there's the trope. You somehow snuck onto the Enterprise and you realize you, you, the guy you clubbed was wearing a red shirt. And now you're Ensign's, you know, so and so. And you know, red shirts don't last long in the Enterprise. Do you play with the trope, or do you simply say, "Yeah, no, you know, no, no, as long as you don't go on a landing on a landing party, you're okay." Well, the thing is, with time transfer, if you die, you bounce back, and at the most, you're a little shaken up. You might need some counseling when you get back to Earth Prime, but generally, you you don't die if you die in a in a, a mind transfer body. Right. You yeah. can't not in a mind transfer. In the time transfer, definitely you can die. Yeah, time transfer is just you can't go back through the portal for a set time. So that might actually be fun. You know, you you could have an adventure where uh, you know the party gets gets they all get mind transferred into red shirts, and you're gonna you're basically going to do the one adventure, um, and you pretty much know how you're going to get back. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a matter of timing. Right. Who has to leave first tonight? <laughs> How do I set my phaser on overload? <laughs> <laughs> Captain, it seems that we had several of our red shirts strangely commit suicide. <laughs> I thought they were all checked out by McCoy in a psych eval. Yeah. Yeah. Ensign number five. John, let's talk about what you were saying. You, you were talking about after the proper story ends. So say between Kirk being captain of the enterprise and the first movie. Yeah. Or the first movie. Yeah. I mean, somewhere along Kirk goes from captain to Admiral. Right. Admiral Kirk. And that was a five year mission. They only showed what? Two, three years of it. Yeah. Three years, three years of it. There's two years you could play. That's true. Or, or wait a minute, maybe I should say it this way. There's two years 
you could play. There's two years left to play. <laughs> Come on. You, you can run a campaign for two years. Sadly, for Star Trek, a certain animated series is canon. Uh, that's true. That's true. Okay, so I, between Kirk and Picard, there was, there was time between those two. Yeah, I mean, they went all over the place. Yeah, they went all over the place. Scotty went someplace else. Kirk went someplace else. You know, they all went to different ships afterwards. You know, if you, if you, if you play, stay with the trope, yeah, after you your mission, you get reassigned. They're not going to reassign you to the same ship as, as, as the rest of your crew. You're going someplace else. Maybe you served under Captain Sulu. Yes. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> so so there's that and of course there's there's star wars there's plenty of time in between you know like uh, so for example where we are now the 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 new set of movies is taking place 35 years after you know the the second death star blows up there's 35 years of time to play in there are several novels written to cut co- that covered this time period Oh, God, the New Jedi Order, the Yuzhan Vong, the Grand Admiral Thrawn series. Yep. Whatever you do is fun until it's fine until the movie comes out. Then you have to go, oh, well, we can't do it no more. Yeah. So what? It's it's a, it's role-playing. I mean... It's role-playing. Yeah. yeah, I mean... The First Republic, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, the, uh, the one with the time, the Tales of the Jedi, yeah. Before they announced what it was going to be, I was hoping they would go back to then. I thought that would make a really great set of movies. That storyline is so cool. Who says they're not? They're not. No, I'm not saying that they're not going to. I was just. Well, they're not because Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, C-3PO, and R2-D2 are all going to be in this new episode seven. Right. They're doing TV shows. There's going to be like a Boba Fett series. There's going to be, you know, and apparently he's a good guy now or something. I don't know. There's rumors of that. Last I heard, officially he died. There is a story where after... A year in the Sarlacc pit. He falls out because of that Mandalorian body armor protected him from the acids of the Sarlacc. He gets out, and needless to say, if I had to spend a year in body armor in the pit of some creature, I'd be mad as hell. I'd be looking for a head to roll. And I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. If he's looking for a head to roll, he can go find his dad's. John, as of right now, there is talk of a Boba Fett TV series. Okay, so I guess the prop that I heard got changed. Yeah, well, it's been back and forth and back and forth. I got another fandom that they're they're talking about here. This whole Marvel movie franchise. Let's say you want to do a superhero game based on all of that. Netflix has recently announced that they want to do a Daredevil series and a series with Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and I want to say her name is Jessica Knight, or I think Jessica Drew, the formerly Spider-Woman. Anyways, it's street-level superheroes having to deal with the post-Katari invasion from the Avengers. Mm -hmm. How do these street-level superheroes deal with such a galaxy-spanning event? That's what these new... Netflix, and it's all tied into the Marvel Universe. It's tied in with the movies. It's tied in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But it's this new Netflix-produced series that's going to be probably coming out next year. That's another thing that you could sit there and do. You could sit there and play until, you know, these series come out and change. You could be, okay, I became a superhero in the back alleys of New York because of what I saw the Avengers do that day against the Qatari. 
So you're sitting there doing D20 or whatever system, and you do superheroes based in that Marvel movie universe. You're doing stuff between the cracks. It's based on all, all the movies in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's in that universe, but you're going, you're, you're taking the sandbox and moving the sand over to the other side there and building your castle there. That's another thing that they're doing. But, but between DC and Marvel, there's been how many reboots of, this, of the universes? As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Marvel and DC, there's no such thing as canon. I mean, what would be canon, really? Superman is all over the place. You know, one minute he can do this, the next minute he can't. Next minute he's strong enough to push the Earth out of orbit. And then, oh no, we can't have that. Reboot. You know, that's like... Ugh, it's a... Well, no, that was... Yeah, the big reboot was Crisis on Infinite Earths back in 1985. Then there's the new 52, which was another reboot. Between that, there's been, I think, six or seven reboots between the Crisis and the new 52. There's been Zero Hour, Final Hour. There's been two other crises... I don't remember them all offhand. I remember seeing the the YouTube video that that linked them all. But yeah, DC and Marvel has been rebooted and changed so many times. Look, if Batfleck can exist, anything can. Marvel never got rebooted. Just it got retconned. You know, I mean, Peter, Peter Parker should be seventy years old right now. I got another established game universe that they've retconned recently, and I talked with the people who did it. Robotech. Oh yes. Okay. Because there was three not connected movies they based the original series on, yeah. No, 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 John. I'm not talking about converting Macross to Robo. I am talking the Robotech canon in and of itself. Yes. Shadow Chronicles that came out in 07, 08. I have the entire Robotech box set, including the new remake of uh, or Love Live Alive, which was sort of a retelling from Lancer's standpoint of the ne- the new generation series. And it happens kind of around the same time as Shadow Chronicles. Anyways, they did a retcon with that. I have both Palladium Games versions of Robotech. In the original game, they said, all the Veritech fighters are run with protoculture-powered engines, and no, you look in the new books that are out by Palladium Books for Robotech, no, they're all micro-fusion reactors powered by liquid hydrogen. Only the capital ships, like the super-dimensional fortresses, are run on protoculture. Protoculture? In the TV series, that was one of the things they were trying to figure out. What is this protoculture stuff? They didn't even know. It, took, it was like mostly to the end of the series before each side realized that the other side actually had it. Talk to Jason Marker, the man who created the first two Robotech books, I believe Shadow Chronicles and the Macross Saga source book. And he and I talked at Yomacon about three, four years ago, and I pointed this out to him. And he basically said, yeah, every time they get a new continuity editor at Harmony Gold, which the current one is Tommy Yoon, uh, their continuity gets changed. So there is no static continuity. So you're going to have purists, as you do in every fandom, you're going to have purists in Robotech saying, well, no, and I am sure this is minutiae, but still, you're going to have purists that say, oh no, the the Veritech fighters were run on protoculture-based reactors. No, the Veritech fighters were fusion reactors powered by liquid hydrogen. You're going to have those different versions of canon based on what you prefer. And you have that in Star Trek. You're going to have it in any fandom you come across where some minutiae has changed, and that's what they're going to go with. Sometimes, you know what, if you get 
boring down the minutiae, you know, then you're not having, you may not actually end up having fun. You may actually end up boring, boring some of your players. Sometimes you simply say it works. Sometimes you don't take your fantasy too seriously or else it stops being fantasy. It's the hand waving that Bruce talks about. You know. In this particular case that you're giving as your example, Trav, would, does it make any difference which one they were? Uh, I was a bit of a pure, I will admit my purism on that regard that but I mean, from the from the standpoint of the story, whether they were powered by microfusion reactors or or by um, frustrated geraniums, <laughs> still worked. Okay, they still did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't like suddenly said, "Wow, because we have this on our ship, we could do the Death Blossom like at the end of Last Starfighter." If it doesn't make any difference, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, you're still going to have the people, again, like Blix said, that are going to get bogged down minutiae, and they're going to call you on it in the middle of the game. But my point is, is that canon is important when it makes a difference. Yeah. That's where you have to conserve canon, because if you change this, then all this changes. Let's say the distance between, and I'm going to use Robotech again, the distance between Earth and Tyrol, where the Robotech Masters and the Zentradi came from. It's 88 light years. I did the research because it's in the uh, the Gamma Crux system. But let's say you found some other source that says it's 110 light years. That's really not going to change the focus of the game because they're still there. It took this long and they didn't care about the distance. It just space fold and it was done. That's minutiae that really doesn't matter. You travel at speed of plot. (laughs) Speed of plot, yeah. Or like Blix says, you heal at the speed of plot, yeah. That too. This did not matter, okay? But, you know, the other times when you've got, you know, in, in games which seem to be driven primarily by people inventing things, then whatever it is that they're using as the basis for their invention, if you introduce it earlier, then you're like, why didn't they make it earlier? Or, or if, they, if they introduce it later, it's like, well, then it wouldn't have been there when they needed it to do. Why? So that's where it's important. That's like introducing the holodeck during the original series. You're going to have everybody who's ever seen Star Trek and Next Gen just lose their minds going, what are you doing with a holodeck during the original series? They didn't have that. That didn't come out until Next Gen. You're going to have a lot of people just losing their stuff. Yet in the Klingon bird of prey floor plans, look for the head. Is there one? No. Why do you think the Klingons were always angry? Well, I think they only had one bathroom on the uh, Enterprise, didn't they? Yeah, one bathroom on the Enterprise. The Klingon Port of Praise had none. I've had access to the plans I've looked. They never put a head on the Klingon Bird of Prey. You can see now why they had the attitude that they did. I, I know the solution. There really isn't a bathroom on the on the on the Enterprise because they use the three seashells. They don't need one. <laughs> 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 that case i'm gonna start swearing to get paper (laughs) (laughs) so the world you want to play is not super science fiction it's the wild wild west the original tv series oh yeah you're gonna get people all bent out of shape about loveless there's a dwarf in the original series well in the movie kenneth branagh played him where half his body was gone yeah let's say you bring in loveless because you wanted it it fits the story you're gonna have people just all bent out of shape who love that old series Say you're, you're going to do it as part of uh, Bureau 13, you know, uh, Black Powder and Steel. Black Powder, yeah. Agent West was not part of Bureau, but he actually was a Secret Service agent. That's sort of messing with canon right there, too. 
how much do the beer agents help him in some of his missions and how much they don't help him? A lot of times he was in a bad situation and he just happened to find the right thing that he needed. Usually in the television series, uh, it was his partner who showed up and provided that, but it could just as easily have been a Bureau 13 agent. Yep, and of course, Bureau will be after Loveless as well. I mean, he is dangerous. Oh, so you're saying Loveless would be right up there with Morrow. Yeah. Yeah, he would. Especially if you if you add the movie that came out. Well, even without the movie, I mean, he did enough yeah. things that were really, really dangerous that you know I'm sure that they would consider him to be a threat to the integrity of the United States. Oh, no, with that rolling tank and everything and how it transformed and, and raised up on the legs and all that and the spider. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, the Bureau would be all over that, too. In the series, he was bad because he came up with various devices and means of, you know, basically taking over over the west western part of the United States. Didn't he teleport at one time? I remember seeing, like, they had it on early morning on, like, TV land, and I saw the dwarf version of Loveless teleport. Well, I mean, he might have disappeared into a cloud of smoke. I don't know if he actually teleported. Yeah. That was, you know, sleight of hand. He knew all those things. Uh, but, you know, remember also that this, this is a good example because, see, the early days of the Bureau, they didn't have hardly any teams at all. So, you know, they, they couldn't have one a team whose only job was to chase after Loveless. They didn't have the information gathering capability. It was kind of like we, if you ran into them, fine, you, you might have foiled one of his plots before James West ever heard about it. And then yeah. he gets away and, and James West has to deal with something else he's doing. I mean, the, the only thing is you know that he's got plot immunity because he always survives. That's going to have right. to be part of your adventure. Uh-huh. Your adventure is stopping him, not killing him, not capturing him, just stopping him. Yeah. Or you can even run just a Wild Wild West game where you're just other agents in the United States. You know, you're not necessarily bureau agents. A Trav-approved fandom mashup. Wild Wild West, either one, and this is rare, so you might want to mark this on your counter. And being, <laughs> it's being recorded, so this works. Wild Wild West and the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Okay. Oh, that would so work. And Legend. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot all about that. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're right. All three would work. Yes, yeah, because they're more or less in the same same genre and same, you know, basically Fantastic West. Weird science and, yeah. And, and Briscoe even included time travel. Yes, that's right. Would you allow Deadlands, Trav? Deadlands is a different, really different time. Because you're dealing with magic then. Yeah, no, not only that, but the division of the states is different. That's right. No, you're right. Yeah, the South won. That's too different, right? When I ran Bureau 13 Brass and Steam, we had plenty of magic in the Old West. We had Indian shamans. We had areas where there were ancient powers in operation. We had people from over in Europe. Bringing all their mythos over, yeah. Bringing their their mythos, the religions, you know, all all of their legends and such over with too, you know, because there were sorcerers and other type alchemists and everything else over there in Europe. And as they came to America... If for whatever reason, they brought that with them. And these things can be kept small enough that you could still have the normal type adventures, if I could use that term, with Artemis uh, Gordon and, and James West. Another good source of magic for Bureau 13, the Chinese tongs in like San Francisco. That's exactly what I used. A la Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I was just thinking that 
Yeah. Oh. Because <laughs> who's there? He's been there for years. Lopan. 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 Yes. Lopan's there. Yeah. After the movie events, I was sent a team down there to clean that, that clean those sewers really well. <laughs> I introduced stuff that was also in anime. I, they they had these strips of paper that had Chinese characters on them for dismissal of spirits. And then one time they ran into that big gigantic yellow a haired monster that was the end of Big Trouble in Little China. They were being summoned up and being used as brute squads by the Chinese tongs. And here they are running around throwing these these pieces of paper at the monsters. And everybody's like, what are you, crazy? And then poof, they disappear. I decided to look up uh, Dr. Loveless. And some of, the, some of the things he did in the second season was he created things like a powder that shrank Jane, Jim West to one twelfth its original size, a device that lets you enter paintings. Now, it's called that what it is, magic. Right. Loveless was both a technological genius and a mage. I think an alchemist is probably a better term for him. Yeah. Yeah, alchemist, yeah. That bridge between science and magic, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's doubly dangerous at that point. And he had Richard Richard Keel as, as his uh, bodyguard. Jaws, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws from James Bond, the Roger Moore era, yes. Here's the thing about gaming and established universes. There are so many role-playing games out that have, from movies and TV... There's been an Indiana Jones role-playing game. There's been, of course, Stargate SG-1 by AEG. There's been the Farscape role-playing game by AEG. Battlestar Galactica, by, I believe, by Margaret Weiss Productions. Smallville, Supernatural has come out. So, yeah, there's plenty of game universes out there that you can play in and just go this route and just you can see just how far you can get off a cannon before you're totally off the reservation, as it were. Uh, you yeah. find the elastic stretches a lot further than you think. You're never going to be happy if it's going to be your cannon butting up against someone else's cannon. You have to find a... A happy medium, yeah. You have to find common ground. And it's going to be a matter of compromise between the players and the GM, or even it could be two players arguing about what is continuity and, you know... You have to find that common ground, what each of you are willing to give up in order to have this shared universe that all of you are playing in. I think the first question you got to ask is, what do you lose if it changes? And if the person says, it just won't be the same, okay, that person is, is, is having an emotional reaction. They really aren't discussing it. They're not being fair to the conversation. And they need to. They need to sit down and say, look, what really makes the difference. And that's what we did with Fringeworthy with the D20 version. We said, look, let's not make anything a, a sacred cow. We said, we know there's things that we love about the game, and those things that we love, we should keep. But we should also ask ourselves, would it be more fun to do it differently and see if maybe we can live with that change because yep. we want to make the game more fun. It's the same way with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, about Star Trek, the the current reboot movies, oh, I have heard all sorts of just venom. I mean, they there are people that just flat out do not consider that canon. They are just like, la, 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 I, what movies? Right. They're all the same age, except for Dr. McCoy. Well, that that's pretty much in canon from what I've seen, that doctors are usually older because they have to go through the medical school. But Spock is the same age as Kirk. Which doesn't make sense. 
Right, yeah, because Vulcans live to be about, what, 200, and humans in Star Trek universe live to be about 120. And he, we know he had a lot of other history. He served on other ships before he served, you know, with Kirk. Well, because now, after 25 years before with the attack on the Kelvin, you can tweak that. Therefore, they just hand wave that as, oh, that changed due to the attack on the Kelvin. It's a big wave. Yeah, I know. I got it. <laughs> I don't mind it because I think that yeah. the the actor who plays Spock does a wonderful job. Oh, Zachary. Oh, does. oh God, fantastic. Those being one continuity error they, they forgot to include, Kirk's older brother. No, actually, John, that's not true. They cut that scene from the movie and it's in the novelization. That was the kid that Kirk raced by in the 300-year-old Mustang. The guy on the side of the road. No, no, his brother. His brother was in it. They just they they cut that scene, and but it's in the novelization. I, I actually read the novel of of the reboot. Ah, see, folks, here it is. Right here, we're talking about. We have differences in continuity here. This is exactly what we're talking about. Not everybody's going to agree on what is and is not canon in a certain. Say you want to play Balsar Galactica, then stand back and when the firefight starts up, which which one? Because there are people who basically hate the re- the reimagined series, and there's some people going, "Yeah, but the original series was smarmy," and you get the fights. Yeah, well, er- everyone dies, and then we go to a casino plant, and we go play, and we go go play, you know, you know casino games. Yeah, but I'll tell you, <laughs> the one thing I can say: the original series had social laters. Yes, and I can't fault them for that. Yeah, and, and they had lots of other. They had lots of messages in the reimagined one too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were there were times I really wish they'd gone in some other directions. They were far more daring, I thought, in the series than than I thought they were going to be. David Eek and Ronald, Donald Morse said in the press conference, "We're going to sex Battlestar Galactica up." As far as they were concerned, they lost a viewer. Me, I'm like. Okay, so this means now they're going to put people, and they did. They put the si- the one Cylon, the slinky red dress, and six Starbuck female, and she, you know, Katie Sackoff. Sackoff. Yeah, but they didn't have any socialators. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that would have been the easy way. Just put back what was in the original series that they cut. Yeah, but there was, you know, uh, Richard Hatch. Was it Richard Hatch? Or I'm thinking the other... Yeah, he he, he, he joined the series. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, actually, uh, I forgot his name now. The actor who played Starbuck. Dirk Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Uh, there are rumors that he considered, but he decided not to. It would have been it would have been nice if he turned out to be, you know, Starbuck's father, but, you know. Yeah, that would have been one of those cute little cameos. Like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just a picture. <laughs> yeah. Know, a photograph. Opposed to the two actors who played Starbucks in a Starbucks drinking Starbucks. Yeah, that's become an internet. What I liked about the, the Reimagined series, it was, I would say, much more realistic on the emotional level. Everyone you know is dead. You're being chased by the killers. The emotional levels of that series was much more appropriate uh, than I thought the original series had. Yeah, they, they, they pretty much, you know, just kind of went along. Their threat was always external. In Battlestar Galactica, reimagined, their threat was primarily internal. Mm-hmm. Every time the Cylons showed up, they beat them back. They beat them back every time. They suffered no real great losses you know, until like they started blowing up their own ships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the biggest threat is themselves. It's like, 
hi, you have a common enemy. You've got, you know, erector sets chasing you and you're sitting there worried about, you know, I understand food is tight. You're traveling around on crappy old technology. The Battlestar Galactica was like very old technology and the Cylons could take it over and that's why it's the only battleship that, the only Battlestar that was usable. It was built during the first human Cylon war. And it was built because Cylons could hack networked ships. So therefore, it was designed not to be networked. Which, of course, first thing I say was, okay, so you're having runners run down the hallways? Because otherwise, I don't know how you're going to control the engines from the Brit, from the CNC. Exactly, yeah. You're going to have to have some computer controls. You can still send signals down there. It doesn't mean that they have to be operated by AI. That was really what it was. That, you know, The advanced computer systems were a form of AI, and that's what they, yeah. they couldn't do. Very simple. What they do is you have somebody on the bridge who calls orders back on a phone, and then another human being has to actually physically make those things happen. So it's not like you push a button up here and it activates something down at the engine room. He reaches out and grabs the repeater and ching 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 pulls it back and puts it push it forward again to full sp- full speed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, it's it's not. It's it's a human on one end of a phone line talking to another human on the other end of the phone line, and that human has to push a button on his end. There's no way to automate that. There's no way for a Cylon to hack that. Yeah. Unless it's actually a Cylon on the other end. And then, well, that's kind of what they did. That's how they got around that. They they got Cylons in. <laughs> but anyways, let's say the major difference between the two series was the tone and the underlying messages. And in the original one, it was like, if we can get away from them and if or if we can develop advanced technology, we can beat these guys. This new series was, we can't get away from them. We can't beat them because we're too busy being ourselves. The only way that we can win is to make our enemy our friend. Yep. And that's what they do. Yeah. Now, they both were mythic. I will say that. They both are mythic. Uh, the first first one was much more Mormon mythic, because considering the um, the creators. Yes. But the second one was just as mythic, because you know at first you're going okay six is some some sort of thing in Baltar said until you meet six's Baltar, and then you realize okay something's going on here, at that point, and then Starbuck comes back, and then you find Starbuck dead at the same time she's back. Yep, it's okay. They've taken that part of the plot, you know. But in this case, instead of the giant white ship that comes out of nowhere, the angels are a little bit more personal and hard, and you know, harder to see in this series. But still have angels. Yep, Claire, yep. very much so. Yeah, and yeah. a lot, and now a lot of people got very disgruntled at the end when they found out that there were in fact angels, <laughs> yeah, supernatural beings that were shepherding these people. Poorly, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but yet they were still doing it. I just ignore the last five minutes of the series, and I'm happy. I can't remember if if Six's Baltar ever talked to Baltar Six. No, no, they never talked to each other. That was one of the things that made me think, well, maybe they each had their own delusions, and they're not actually talking to each other. Because they never seemed to, like, eye each other or anything like that. Figured it was a disparate yet shared delusion. And it was and, fun. It was very fun when it happened. Yep. And of course, we all know that Galactica 1980 is not canon. Oh, God, no. That's, that's, that's just, no. Well, they're like Farscape. There are many people that say that Peacekeeper Wars wasn't canon. Even though Rockney S. O'Bannon is writing the current comics from Boom, Com- Boom 
comics, those aren't canon. Even though O'Bannon even says, I create the series, I'm writing the comics, it's all canon. Okay, talking about canon, I heard a rumor. They're planning to do a Netflix-only Firefly. No, 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 no. That was an internet hoax. That was if you look at the date of if you look at the date when that was it was put out on April first, it's a hoax. Oh, I didn't see the date. I only saw it like weeks later. April first messes with everybody. I swear. It was like I can't believe how many people I was just like I kept I kept going to other people's posts. It's April first. It's April first. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you can't go back to. You can't bring the actors back after a certain point. It's time to do a new series or do a reboot, you know, especially if, if, if you didn't like the way the old series ended. This is a golden opportunity to do it differently. Each one has their own canon, and you get to decide which set of canon you want to be in. Well, next year they're coming out with Heroes Reborn. Basically, they're going to have some of the old actors from Heroes, and they're going to not reboot, but it's a sequel series where they have new stories of these people getting superpowers. That's coming out next year. There may be people who think, you know what? The original series of Heroes, the four seasons that NBC put out, that's canon. I don't believe this is canon. Like I've said, everybody has their likes and dislikes. They just don't like some, so they're not going to put into it. And they censor out what they don't like. I would prefer to just take the first year of Heroes and stop. Everything that happened after that didn't happen. <laughs> I wasn't fond of the first couple episodes of the second season, which is all I saw, and then I was done. I'm just like, no. The first year was, as you said, John Mythic. Yeah. It was amazing, and that's why everyone loved it. There's a lot of other series like that, you know, Lost. And I think it's okay to sometimes go and say, look, you know, this part of it really held together, was really good. Let's just stop there. And just yeah. forget about the rest. Yeah. Save the girls, save the world. A lot of other series are like that. Buffyverse, the Buffyverse. Buffy, yeah. I mean, it went on and on and on. And, and a lot of people would say, hey, after this point, when the master died, let's stop. It's a complete story. And then step off from there in whatever direction you want to. I mean, you, yeah, you could still use stuff that showed up later on in the series, but you're doing it on your own. You're not trying to hold it to any of the interim canon that got to that point. You're just simply, okay, I'm going to introduce, you know, trolls or I'm going to introduce whatever because they were in the series. You can take their characteristics, where they lived and stuff like that, but you don't have to necessarily take all the events that occurred up to the point in the television series where they were introduced. Buffyverse, Bureau 13. Trying to make those work together without causing too much too, too much pain. Giles is a Bureau agent training a bunch of new agents post Massacre of 77. There you go. <laughs> Done. What was the organization he was with? Of course, that was a huge divergent from the movie. Because yeah. in that case, there was like one guy who just kept following you know, her through time. Uh, now, uh, we do have an unofficial tie-in, though, to one TV series, though. Between Bureau and what? Babylon 5. Babylon 5. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you could legitimately say you can set yourself a Bureau 13 game in Babylon 5. <laughs> yeah, and this is, of course, so far in the future that this Bureau yeah. is not like the Bureau that most people think of. They, they're they a very, you know, hardline Bureau. They're not necessarily heroes anymore. No. Habibi has not seen Babylon 5 yet. Should I spoil it and explain the episode and the whole thing with 
they canceled it out of the continuity, so you can you can tell her about it. It doesn't actually make any difference. The episode is called A Spider in the Web. They only talked about it during that episode, and it was completely expunged after that. Bureau 13 appeared in an episode. It was in some secret sub-layer of, of Earth War. Yeah, Rich Tahulka later met J. Michael Straczynski, and then when he found out about the game, J. Michael was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. And they just, you know, to, to be nice, he just sort of yeah, yeah hand-waved it aside. It was in that one episode, it's done, never mentioned again, because he didn't know about the whole link with the game and everything. So, yeah, I think she's about to embark on watching B5. And it really doesn't matter. I mean, you could drop that episode out of the out of the series, and it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah, one episode, there was no grand arc involved with it, yeah. Unlike Section 31 that they used in Deep Space Nine, which was an ongoing thing. Yep, that it was. They were so clever. They switched the they switched the letters around the numbers around so we couldn't complain. And it's no longer a bureau; it's now a department. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, and then again, there's Warehouse Thirteen. That's not the same at all. Yeah. Warehouse Thirteen is is basically uh, Friday the Thirteenth on a much grander scale. But it's in the same universe as Eureka. Yeah, that's right. That continuity between those two, Eureka and uh, Warehouse Thirteen. Yeah. No wonder they can't come up with a uniform field theory. They don't take magic into account. And you can always have Weird Zone pop up in any of these. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Your Zero plot appears on, uh, on Babylon 5. <laughs> it can happen. That whole area in the middle with all the stuff growing. Yeah. The Zocalo. And all of a sudden your house appears there. Yeah. Hey, don't forget, there is a large green space on that station. That's like what I'm talking area. about, the in, the interior section of it, a huge amount of greenery. Yeah, and so yeah, it's really easy or, to do that switch. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, Admiral Tarkin, there's a house in Hangar Bay 25. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would not be good for you. You really want to mess with the players. Yeah, your house appears and it's really cold outside. There's winter, you know, I mean, it's like snow everywhere, right? And there's a big giant robot coming towards your, your house, a big giant horse-looking thing or maybe a giant elephant robot-looking thing. And you run out of the house, this thing crushes your house. So when you get back on your zero plot, you're going through space in a totally destroyed house. Yeah, stepped on by that at, yeah. Well, no, it's funny, on the original Enterprise, I've seen the plans for that, too, and they have an arboretum where there was grass growing, and it was basically a park in a large arc of the ship. So your zero plot appears there, and it's like, oh, this is a very nice cultivated park, and all of a sudden you go and see there's a wall with a sliding door, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Remember, Trav, though, that means every all the dicks below are now gone, and all the connections they had... Well, as far as the zero plot aura goes out, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's down about 50 feet. You go down those lower decks, you see a whole bunch of solid rock there. Oh, that's about four decks then. Ooh. Well, it depends on where you're at. Uh, actually, around here, if you're in the right spot, it's all glacial till till you get to like about 200 feet down. If you want to find Michigan dirt, go down to Kentucky. Yeah, thanks to the ice. Yeah. I would actually take out the Enterprise it take out a portion of the power system. You disable the Enterprise. Sounds like a great adventure. Yeah. Yeah, until the ship is plummeting into a sun because you've taken out the guidance system that was there. Yeah. That's right. So long as your zero plot disappears before it happens, you're all right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. You, once you drop 
out of workspace. You're now moving normal velocities. It takes years to get anywhere within a solar system. It wouldn't matter if you're on a, on a crash course for the sun. You'd die of old age before you got there, unless they get some of those fusion engines going. Yep. So yeah. you're, you're pretty safe. The only time you'd really be in, I think you'd ever have a real problem would be if you were in orbit when this happened. And then you'd have the decaying orbit thing that happened almost every other episode. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, guys, I think we beat this one up. So do we have any moral or can we sum up our best ideas that we've talked about for our audience before we leave? How about each of you? What you think would be the, the best thing about making canon work, especially when you have a mashup? All right, I'll, I'll take the mashup one because our group did it pretty successfully. When you do a mashup, just make sure that you take both the genres that you're mashing together and look at all the aspects of them and make sure that they don't break one another. And if they do, if you can find a spot where it's going to break one or the other or, or damage your story, because that's what you're doing. You're telling a big story. Try to make sure that you fix those elements. You know, For example, uh, if one spaceship uses shields and another spaceship uses something called deflectors, make them the same make them both shields or make them equivalent or something like that or maybe make the difference between them what actually makes them equalize uh, but but take those factors into account so that one side's not dominating another because then it, it gets silly uh, and you also have to make sure that you when you do that that you make an agreement with your players that hey i've put this stuff together this is the way it's going to run you need to be fine with that to play in the campaign and then that way you can avoid the arguments like well no i don't think the jedi would do that it's like well they do, because I say they do, because I've already thought of this. Trav? When you have a game set in a well-established universe, i.e. an intellectual property of a TV a book, you know, TV show, a book, or a movie, you need to make sure that when you do diverge, because the whole point of role-playing game, you're diverging from whatever canon it is, whatever you agree upon, that you still keep the flavor of the game. If you were playing Star Wars sweeping space opera, if you were doing Star Trek, you know, far future science fiction with techno babble and social issues being taken into account. If you're doing Farscape, that you keep the things such as the uncharted territories and that the guns all run on chalk and oil. <laughs> You keep certain things intact to keep the integrity of the canon despite how much you go off the reservation. It's a juggling act because you you just have to know as a GM and as a gaming group with your players, how far can you go before you're just like, okay, we're not doing Farscape anymore. It's become fanfic. That balancing act must be maintained and it's something that a good GM and good players have to realize. John. If, if your players want to play canon characters, they want to play Luke, Leah, Han, and R2-D2 and C-3PO, let them explore the characters. Don't railroad them into the same solution that, that they ran to the movies. And the best way to do that is actually don't do the movie. Do the times in between. You know, between the movies. And also, if you, if you don't want them to play the characters, still let them encounter Luke or Leah or, or Han Solo. Uh, just remember, those characters have plot immunity from the players, so they can't just turn around and shoot them dead and say, Aha, I shot first! Oh, don't, let's not get that. Let's not start that. 
And also, let's face it, if you're playing between Empire and Jedi, playing Han Solo is really not an option unless you're saying, hey, I want to be a floating coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and also remember, there is no such thing as the Vulcan death grip. <laughs> Somebody lied to me and I'm hunting them down. Anyway. Abeem? Beebs, you got anything? I got nothing. This subject isn't my forte. I'm just here to look pretty, and I have succeeded. <laughs> yes, you have. Don't cut that, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes no difference, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If your alien battle cruiser uses phasers and the other one uses blasters, and they both have shields to stop them from killing each other, it doesn't matter. They're equivalent to each other, and you don't have to worry about things like, you know, relative whatevers, because they're coming from different universes. If it doesn't make any difference, it doesn't matter. And that's important to always be able to recognize the things that are important in canon and the things that just are flavor text, and you can just let them slide. Yeah, the important thing is having a good game. Yes. Yes. That's right. And not tearing out the throat of the person next to you. I thought that was fun, too. Uh, you can only do that at the end of the campaign. <laughs> you really need that guy or that girl next to you next week. because and just like we need you here for our podcast. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives. And sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.